Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. What a powerful name. What a beautiful name. We thank you for your name, Lord. We thank you that there's more than just a name there. There's power and there's freedom and there's healing all wrapped up into that name. You know, sometimes we we go through things and, you know, we're in this season. uh, Well, yeah, season of testing, a series called Tested. But many of us are in a season of testing. While we're waiting on the Lord in our season of testing, while we're waiting on the Lord to learn what he has to teach us when we're tested, there are some areas that we just need to claim the name of Jesus over. Okay. So in this room, I know we got some marriages that you're worried about, some kids you're worried about, you, your finances that you're worried about. There's all kinds of things that can, that can stand in our way as obstacles to actually seeing what God, how, what God is like. And so right now, I just want you just on your lips, just say the name of Jesus over that situation, over that relationship. He's the healer. He's the healer. He's the restorer. He's redeemer. He does nothing halfway. So Lord, we just thank you that if it's not good yet, you're not done. We thank you, Lord, that you are who you say you are. And so Lord, we we stand on that today, God. We don't stand on our fickle emotions We stand on the truth of who you say you are, Jesus. We stand on your word, your promise, and we're not going to move. As we are tested, we will stand. And we will not win because of our effort. We will win because you've already won. And we thank you for that, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray and that we worship and that we give you honor and glory and praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning. I did feel a few things during worship that I want to kind of call out. Um, my sister right here that we, we talked before service, my equivalent, I can't remember your name, Sarah? Brittany, that's right. The Lord says it's a breakthrough day for you. I know that's kind of a terminology we use in church sometimes that kind of sounds a little cliche, but literally there's a, something is going to break for you today. Um, there was a, Steve, you too. I saw both of you. There's something that's really special that the Lord wants to do in your life. Maybe he's already done it. Or maybe he's getting started. But I think sometimes uh, maybe just be aware. What is he doing in my life right now? But today's a breakthrough day for you. And I don't know what that looks like, but let's just thank God for that, you know? All right. Y'all feel good? I do. (laughs) Except for this whole cold I've had for like four weeks. Somebody said they had it for eight. 
I'm like, I don't want that one. I want this one. I want it to be done. Uh, have you ever done a neti pot before? It's disgusting. I, I, I knew about a neti pot, but I, uh, I, I got the courage to use it this week. I'm kind of squeamish, you know. It changed my life. I'm, I'm going gonna, uh, gonna to start advertising for them. I'm going to tell you what will make you do some odd things, desperation. You got a sinus headache and can't breathe for a couple weeks, you'll pour some hot water up your nose and out the other side. I think about what desperation does to people, man. You've been, you've been in a desperate situation, been tested, and you're, you, you do something you, you didn't think you'd ever do. Think about the guy who, who first ate an oyster. I mean, you got to be hungry. You have got to be some kind of hungry to, to, to crack that bad boy open and say, yeah, I'm going to eat this. <laughs> Who's my raw, got raw oyster, raw oyster people in here? I'm not that guy. We all face, uh, we all face tests. As I look over this room, I see people who are currently being tested. You're going through some trials. You're going through some suffering. You've got some questions that are just weak, weak to week, month to month on end, no answers to those questions. And that's part of the human experience, isn't it? But as believers, we know that we are standing in a different situation than the rest of the world. We have a promise that in our suffering, in our trials, in our testing, the Lord is at work. We established last week that suffering, pain, sickness, I don't believe that comes from the Lord. I think that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and the works of the devil are what he came to destroy. And so I don't think he'd cause it. So, but what I do know is that he can take what the enemy meant for evil and he can turn it for good in your life. And so look at your problems, your suffering, your sickness even. And, and we, we say flag on the play to where the enemy's having his way. We don't, we don't play that game of like, well, whatever God wants. No, we're not doing that. We're actually calling the enemy on his bluff and saying, no, that's not allowed. But when our prayers aren't answered, we just keep praying, don't we? We don't say, well, it must be God's will. No, we just keep praying. And as we pray and we wait for that breakthrough, even when it doesn't look like it's coming, we stand in our faith. We stand on his promise. And something happens when you stand in a trial, you get stronger. You get stronger and stronger and stronger. Tests will either harden you up or humble you. Tests can destroy people. I've seen people walk away from the faith, get shipwrecked because bad things going on in their life. It's a reality. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you actually come out the other side a different person. And that's the goal of tests, right? The goal of tests is to not for you to find approval in the eyes of your father. The cross made you approved. So testing is not about approval as much as it is advancement, you are at this place in your life. The goal is the end of the stage over here. 
And the only way you get to that becoming like Jesus, being conformed in his image, is going through testing. I said last week, he's making us into heavenly people. And the only way to become heavenly is go through a little hell. There's no shortcuts. And so how you respond in testing, because it's coming or it's here, how you respond actually matters. It really matters. Let's stand to our feet if we could uh, and read James chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I don't think it's going to be on the screen today. We've had some issues back there. So if you've got a Bible or a phone or whatever, you can read along or you can just listen to me. All right, here we go. My brothers and sisters, believers in our Lord Glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand over there or you sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. It is not the rich who, you, who are, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him who, who, to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. But if you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a lawbreaker. So speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Y'all be seated. So we're going through the book of James together. What I love about this just verse by verse stuff is that you can't skip over the hard stuff. How many have heard some hard stuff right then? I love the Bible as a mirror that confronts our inadequacies. It confronts our own sin. It confronts how we see people in this respect. Here's the point of testing before I get in any further in this. We're talking about the testing of our love today, by the way. But before I do that, I, I want to remind us what the goal of testing is. It's to become like Christ. James chapter one says that the goal of testing is that you may be made perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's that idea of shalom, wholeness, everything, all the pieces put back together again, right? You remember this? Go listen to last week's message and get, get the foundation for this. But the point of testing is to redeem things in your life. So I, 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 like, to, I like to think of it this way. Do you know the old whiskey barrels? Don't freak out. Look at reference. The old whiskey barrels, um, and they're made of slats that are put together. Your life is like a whiskey barrel. That should explain some things for some of y'all. Um, your life is like a whiskey barrel, and it's got different slats. And these are different areas of your life that actually make it whole. The goal for your life 
is that you be a vessel that can contain what the Lord wants to pour out in your life. But sometimes we have slats that don't quite reach the top. And if you have one slat, let's say it's halfway broken off, it's not a full slat, it doesn't matter if all the other slats are okay. You got one place where all the water or whiskey is going to drain out. And so it's important that all our slats be intact. That's what shalom is. That's what being perfect and complete in Christ is all about. And so you might be a good man with anger. I don't have an anger problem. With the person sitting next to you, it's a struggle. And what will happen in our struggles, and I don't know what your struggle that you're going, in, going through right now, what your testing is, but the purpose of it is to make you whole and complete so that there's nowhere for that to leak out. Does that make sense? So you can actually contain what the Lord wants to pour out into your life. And so... Today, we're talking about love. So if the goal of testing my love is to get me from someone who doesn't love, love like Jesus to someone who does love like Jesus, how do I get from this point to that point? I got to have my love tested. I got to have my love tested. So how does your love get tested? Often by circumstances or people that challenge your willingness to love. <laughs> That's a nice way to say it. You got any difficult people in your life? There are some stumbling blocks to genuine love, and I'm going to lean on what James says here, but I'm going to kind of expound on some of this too. Number one, stumbling block to actually loving like Jesus is differences. Differences. So here's the question. Do you love regardless of social status? Do you love somebody regardless of their financial status, the color of their skin? I think that most of us in the church, most of the church, maybe half the, I don't know, doesn't have a problem with those things because we've come along a little bit, you know? Like the world helped us a little bit, but we've come along on the whole color thing. I love that I can look out across this room right now, and y'all don't look alike. There's difference, and it's beautiful, and I love it. And that was a dream come true when we planted this church. But I also know the church has a long way to go in our love. We've not yet reached the point where we're loving like Jesus when someone believes politically different than we do. Or maybe someone's living a lifestyle we don't agree with. I'm not saying we lay all our convictions down and don't follow the word, but what I am saying, are we willing to love first? Are we willing to love first? The church must learn to love those in the church who are different. The type of unity that Jesus is calling us to requires difference. Do you realize that? Unity, if everybody's the same, that's just uniformity. But unity actually requires that we embrace one another in our differences. I, some, some people, 
attribute this to Augustine and some other people, but there's a, I love this little statement about beliefs. In essentials, we have unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. In other words, there are some things that confessionally, as the church, you got to believe. The deity of Jesus Christ. He's the son of the living God. He came and he died and he purchased our redemption. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead and he's coming back. That's what we can have unity over. If you put your faith in that and what Jesus did on the cross for you, you're my brother, you're my sister. Now, there are some things like baptism and end times and what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. And what about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all this stuff? There, listen, the list goes on and on and on and on. And that's why we have so many different flavors of Christianity because somebody said, I really like this one. Oh, no, you're wrong. I like this one. And we've divided so much. Sometimes we look more like the bride of Frankenstein than the bride of Christ. But those are secondary issues. And what I love about you guys is that for the most part, in the last five and a half years that we've been a church, you guys can live together in disagreement. I don't know that I've ever been in a place like that. Where I, I could probably interview half the people in this room, and there'd be some things we disagree on that are in the Bible of interpretation of Scripture. But they're not the main things. They're secondary things. And we got to learn, we got to learn, we gotta, we're doing good. We got, we're doing good at it. I'm telling you, you're doing good at that. You love people so well. I think where the Lord is moving us now, it's like you love each other so well. It's time to love them well. It's time to even maybe outside the walls of this church or our communities to actually see people like Jesus sees them. And, and, and love them before they reach that standard that we want them to reach so that they can be lovable. Guys, this is hard because there's, it's tension. I say this all the time. There's both and. In the kingdom, you will feel tension. You will feel tension or you're not walking the Jesus way. Because he walked in attention. He didn't say, y'all just live like you want to. Just, it's grace. You know, just live like you want to. It's your thing, man. But at the same time, he didn't shame people. He loved them. And he said, well, how do you do both? <laughs> Jesus did it. And everything Jesus modeled for us, he empowers in us through his Holy Spirit. And so when I look at somebody, I'm not looking to see if they measure up so that I can love them. That's the test of love. If you really want to know if you're loving like Jesus, and if you're really growing, and listen, Jesus is committed to your growth more than you are. And if he sees a lack of love in your life, the first thing he's going to do is send someone unlovable into your sphere. Some of y'all thinking about that person right now. Some of y'all sitting next to that person. Can, can I suggest to you that the hard to deal with person in your life right now might be the Lord at work in your life? 
Can we change our perspective on how we view the situations that we're in? That's important. So differences are kind of a stumbling block to genuine love. Another stumbling block would be this, and I don't really know how to word this, but the benefits of love. Sometimes it's hard to love when we get no benefit from it. Can I suggest that genuine love has no benefit. Jesus loved you before you loved him. And matter of fact, if you love Jesus in this room, the only reason you do is because he loved you first. That's what scripture says. And I, I can guarantee I love y'all, but y'all are pretty unlovable. I am too. Jesus loved me. At my very worst, think of the worst day of your life where you were the biggest scoundrel. The love of God came searching you out at that moment. He didn't wait for you to clean up. It's the grace of Jesus. Can we love like that? Here's, a, here's just some litmus test. I wrote some things down that I'll... I ask myself these questions, so I'm going to ask you these questions. Who do you talk to when we get together? Like on Sundays, who do you gravitate toward? Is there a reason you don't gravitate toward certain people? Listen, it's normal. It's normal to gravitate toward people who are like us and who we have interest with. That's not, I'm not bringing shame on that. What I am saying is if you avoid people in the body of Christ because they don't benefit you personally. If you, you know, I'll just say that if you lead it, like if you lead a, a team here at the dwelling or if you're a, a supervisor, if you're a boss or whatever, listen, we're all about getting a job done. You know, I, I love driven people, just getting a job done. But if we're not careful, if that's our predisposition, we can see people as a tool to get the job done rather than people that Jesus loved and he died for. And it's about growing them up into Christ and getting the job done is secondary. And so the benefits of loving someone, what, what do I have to get in order to love like Jesus? It's a good question to ask and, and to survey the relationships in your life, to survey the people that you're acquainted with and the conversations you have and, and who you gravitate toward. It's like, why, why am I avoiding certain people? This is the question. If, well, I don't have time for all this. All right, number three. Number three, another stumbling block to genuine love is conflict. We don't have a whole lot of conflict here, I don't think. Preacher, you, you might, I might be blind. Because you guys handle conflict well. You guys have done that pretty consistently. We've had some bumps in the road as a church. But do you know that a healthy church is, is not... Void of conflict. A healthy church 
just deals with conflict in a healthy way. If you don't have conflict, you're doing home church by yourself. And you probably feel conflicted anyway, you know. <laughs> so there's no, there's no escape from conflict. It's actually healthy because it means people are getting close enough to actually see each other. It's real easy to, to have peace when you don't know your brother and sister. But man, you, get, you start getting close, you start getting tight. And why does she say that? Why does she act that way? Why does she treat her kids that way? And so, there's so many things that are stumbling blocks to loving that person. The closer you get, the more you see. You ever known somebody in the distance and then you go to your, their house and you find out a little more than you knew? Sometimes you may have lived with a person and you start to see things nobody else sees. How I many know it's a little bit harder, isn't it? The closer you get, the harder it is to love, believe it or not. Marriage is a miracle. That's why it's a covenant. Because, man, week two, some of you want to bail. But it's like, no, I made a promise. Can I suggest, making a lot of suggestions today, aren't I? Can I suggest that the body of Christ is covenantal? It's family. I know we're watching doc documentaries of people, churches, and all that stuff these days that kind of, but, um, some of the language, you know, we're family. I like that language. I don't think we should look at things and see where somebody took it south and reject it. The church is a family. I think if we get away from that, we won't treat each other like family. And that's not what God intends. I'm thankful for you guys. Because your family. I sent somebody a text yesterday and I just said, hey, thank you for loving us, loving me and my family. And they said, we family. <laughs> I'm no blood relation, but we're family. So conflict is tricky. And I would even ask this. And the reason I ask this is because the Lord wants you to take your love from here to there. So is there anyone in the church, in the body of Christ, in the family of God that you're not right with? Don't run from it. Let him speak. Who you're not right with. Maybe today let's fix that. You know what it you know what it takes to fix broken relationships? A lot of humility. <laughs> A lot of humility. Forgiveness and boundaries are two different things. You can forgive somebody 
you can forgive someone and still not give them complete access to your life. That needs to happen sometimes. But the other side of the coin is, I think sometimes we use the phrase boundaries to justify our dysfunction. To justify our unwillingness to get things right. Why don't we, why don't we change that today? So if the Lord's pricking your heart right now, there's a reason for that. And it's not shame on you. It's I'm taking you from here to here. And if you'll cooperate with me, you will become more like me. And these issues that, quite frankly, just keep you bound, that little area of love and that one relationship that's keeping you bound, I want to set you free from that today. That's what the Lord is saying. That's what he's offering. It's an opportunity. Every, when I feel tension, it's an opportunity. When you feel tension in your heart, it's an opportunity to obey the Lord. Pull in close, Lord, what are you saying right now? And what should I do? And then actually do it. To be a doer of the word, not just a hearer. Just, and James says this later. So trust, that whole boundaries thing, trust is built. Trust is built. Forgiveness is a free thing. It's I'm choosing to forgive. Yes, they hurt you. Yes, they were wrong. No, forgiveness is not letting them off the hook. It's letting you off the hook that you put yourself on because of how somebody hurt you. So forgive, forgive. What is Jesus' definition of love? These are out of his mouth, Matthew 5, 43-48. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Can I just say something? If we don't get this, are we truly his children? Sometimes in the church, I feel like we got everything else but this. Like we know the answers, but we don't love our enemies. We... we we know all the doctrine, but the simplicity of what God has called us to do is love God with all our hearts and love our neighbor as ourselves. Sometimes I think we miss the main thing, don't we? And I'm, I'm looking at my own life in this season of my life, in this season of testing, and I'm asking the Lord to refine my love God, if I don't love you first, show me the areas where I'm putting other things ahead of you. Show me the idols in my heart. Lord, when I don't love people because you love them, I love people because they what they can do for me. God, don't let me take a step further before you convict my, my heart about that. I want to be pure. Testing makes you pure. He's making a bride. He's, he's forming a bride that he wants to come back for. And she's going to be beautiful, guys. You are beautiful. He's making you beautiful. He's making me beautiful. 
Sometimes he's got a harder job, I feel like, with some of us. I need, it. We, I need a lot of work. Some of you guys do, too. I won't mention anybody except for Dane. But, but man, aren't you thankful that he's not giving up on you? I am. James says he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward are you going to get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your people, my people, so if you only greet your people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even unbelievers do that? Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. If God tells you to be perfect, it's a good thing he's got a way for you to become perfect. And it's called testing. That you may be made perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So the question is this. Andrea, you want to come on play for us? The testing is this. Is he, I mean, the question is this. Is he testing your love right now? A good litmus test, a good way to recognize if your love is being tested is identifying where and who it's hard to love right now. So just bow our heads just so we can focus. And just cut out all the distractions and just ask the Lord, where am I not loving like you right now? And again, this is not shame. This is opportunity. Testing's not about approval, it's about advancement. He's taking you somewhere. And he always takes us places we've never been. And when he speaks, maybe he's speaking to your heart right now about a relationship that you need to mend. Maybe he's speaking to you right now about someone just to show them you love them. When he speaks, it requires us to do something. It requires us to do something. And I want you just to maybe even picture in your mind right now what it is the Lord's asking you to do. And then if you'd be bold enough, humble enough to just say, Lord, help me do that. I'm going to do it. I've had more than a few people in the last few years say something to this effect Gunner I don't know that I understand what love is I don't know that I can receive it I'm not sure that I know how to give it and listen if you're in that place sitting in here I, I want to say this a person says that because of pain in their life there's been something that's really hurt you and the Lord himself wants to come right now and he wants to begin that healing process in your heart. And really all you have to do, I feel like this is what, he, what he's telling me, all you have to do is just open your heart to him. If you can't open it to anybody else yet, open it to him. 
So whatever that looks like, Lord, come and come and do what only you can do in my life. Lord, teach us how to love. Teach us how to love. Lord, teach us how to love like you. Can we stand on our feet? If you've never given your heart and your life to Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Our community leaders are going to be up here at the front. And um, by the way, we have communities that are starting up in the fall during the summer. We don't, curr- we don't currently have them right now. But, um, but these are our community leaders from spring semester, some of them. And they are up here to pray for you. So if you've got a need in your life, specifically something the Lord said to you today that you just want somebody to partner with you in prayer about, come get prayer from these guys. If, you, if you've never given your heart and your life to Jesus, come up here and talk to one of these guys. They can tell you what you need to do. They lead you in a prayer and, um, and uh, lead you to Jesus. Come on. Best day of your life if that happens. So, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're speaking. We don't resist you. We come into alignment with what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for healing. We thank you for wholeness. Lord, we want all those slats on our barrel to be full. We want to be whole and complete. We want to be like you, Jesus. And that requires us to do what you ask. So, Lord, we go now and we walk out of this place in obedience. In the name of Jesus, we ask it all. Amen. Amen. All right. Before I let you go, I want to ask you something I forgot to mention earlier. And we're going to close service like this. So if you need to come up in prayer, you can get prayer. But I will say this. This week, we're having some work done in this room, which requires all the chairs to be moved. Jason Kiever, where are you at? Jason's right here. Don't stand up here and pray for people. You need to help. Jason is going to tell you where to put the chair. So if I could get just some guys that are like, you want to impress your, your girl, you know, like just to move from chairs. That's what church is all about, right? Um, we'd so appreciate the help moving the chairs out. Jason, go back there and stand so they can, you can tell them where to go. All right. So God bless you guys. Y'all have a good week and we'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.